Hey y'all, Brett Maddox here. Hope you're doing well. In just a moment, Alan and Jim will join me for another episode of the Podakesis podcast. I just wanted to take these next few moments and just let you know how grateful we are for your presence with us in the Podakesis community. If you would like to know more about the Podakesis podcast, to read show notes and resources for each episode, be sure to check out our website, podakesis.com. You can also find us on social media, at Podakesis, on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. You can also uh, find us anywhere that you listen to your podcast, whatever app you use, be it Apple or Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, uh, iHeartRadio, we're all over the place. And other apps like Overcast and Simplecast, you can find us by just searching for the Podakesis podcast on those apps as well. Uh, if you are using Apple, we do ask that you leave a five-star review. That just helps us in iTunes, and we would be grateful for that. We are so very grateful for you, and we're grateful for how you have latched on to the Podakesis podcast. Um, we, are, uh, we are thankful uh, for this community. Now, we are going to look at question number four of the Shorter Catechism, of John Wesley's revision of the Shorter Catechism, and we're going to look at the question of what is God? Uh, we hope you enjoy the show. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Podakesis Podcast. Brett Maddox here. We're so glad that you have joined us. And with us once again is our good friends, Alan Kaysen and Jim Morrow. Alan, Jim, how are y'all doing? Doing great. Man, I'm fantastic. I'm down and ready for episode number five. Number five. Number five. five. They told us it couldn't happen, and we're breaking the rules no we're breaking yes we're breaking ceilings we're against we're, all, we're all odds. yes against all odds the podakesis podcast <laughs> soars into the future yes at least hopefully to episode six so yeah i mean just one thing at a time <laughs> absolutely so um here we are episode five we're moving right along things are going so well and we are so thankful that you have joined us and that you have started this community this podic human uh, community um alan jim have y'all been hearing anything uh out there from people I got a um I got a buddy of mine in my church, small group, says he starts the day with our uh um podcast that Poor we are at the top God. of his list. That oh. is so uh yeah, I could barely get my head out the door when he told me that. So uh, <laughs> but, um so that's awesome. That's, that's awesome. good. That's fantastic. I, I have enjoyed uh I, I reached out to our giveaway winner uh last time, Allison, and talked to some others who've been listeners, and I'm super encouraged to find out that we are not the only ones who really love talking about what Christians believe and why it matters. Yeah. And it's really fun to have a community of people because uh, sure we're talking theology and nerdiness and Spider-Man movies, but we're also meditating on the scripture and the things of God while we do that. Isn't it cool to have a community of people to do that with? Yeah, it's and awesome. So That's fantastic. Thank you, my friends in the Podakesis community. I'm so super thankful for you. Absolutely, as am I. And be proud to call yourself a pot of human when you're out there. People will, will. I, I, a good friend of mine, he looked at me this week after listening to a first couple of episodes and he said, pot of humans, really, Brett? I mean, that's kind of cheesy. And I said, yes, but it's awesome because it describes who we are. And so we're excited about this community and we're excited that you've joined us. We have a big question 
and it's not big in the size of the question because it's really just three words, but it is big in what it deals with. And the question, question number four from John Wesley's revision of the Westminster Catechism is what is God? What? Oh, that little question? That little oh, question. Gosh. What huh. is God? And that's easy. So the that's easy. All right, Alan, take it away. <laughs> take it away, Alan. Yeah. Well, you want the answer? We want to know why it's so easy. Come on, let's give us the answer. Well, yes. The shortest here. I mean, the answer is right here. You ready? Yes, let's go. <laughs> okay. God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. That's that was easy, right? That's yes, that's simple. That was easy. But what does it mean? <laughs> well, that's you two figure that out the rest of this show. Okay, all right. That's, that's Alan. That's Everybody, he's going to leave now. See you, Alan. Okay, Thank see you. you appreciate it. But uh, he's got a so pedicure appointment. <laughs> so as we begin this discussion, it's important to uh, talk about some of the scripture proofs. And let me say a word about the scripture proofs before we get started. This one question here particularly uh, had a lot of scripture proofs to it, and uh, there was a lot of context to each one. And we didn't want to take up the whole, whole show just reading the scripture itself because we want to explain it and talk a little bit about this, these concepts and these ideas about what is God. And so um, what we're going to ask you to do is we'll, we'll read the scripture proofs, the verses themselves, but to see the context of everything, uh, please go to podakesis.com. That's podakesis.com and look at the show notes for this show and you'll see the context that these scripture proofs are put in. Another piece that we want to talk about too, because we've been, four, you know, we're five episodes in, we talk about these scripture proofs. What makes a scripture proof? And I think that's an important piece to this. What is it that actually makes a scripture proof? And uh, for me, a scripture proof is a piece of scripture. It could be a verse, it could be a passage that points to the truth that is being talked about. It points to or proves the truth that is being talked about. Um, do either one of y'all want to kind of add to that? Yeah, so of course, the handful of scriptures that are listed in the catechism in the book that we talk about are not the only places that these the items in these questions are, are discussed. Um, and it's not like the we, we've made a claim and then found a scripture to back it up. Like Brett said, they kind of are summations, little capsules that wrap it up. Um, so it's not the only way to, quote, prove that it is true. It's, it's like a, uh, an example, a potent example of how that exists in the entirety of Scripture. Absolutely. And so, um, and so we want to encourage you to go and get in Scripture itself. So as we give these Scripture proofs, uh, look at the context. Go uh, look at what comes before it, look at what comes after it, and that'll help you get a better understanding of what the Scripture proof is trying to really point out to us. Remember uh, what uh, Dr. Ben Witherington from Asbury Seminary, I, I mentioned this last week when Dr. Brian Russell was with us, uh, he likes to say about Scripture, and that is, a text without a context is a pre text for whatever we want it to be. And what he means by that is context is so important. Uh, we can't just what we call um, proof text. We can't just put a claim out there and then go look for the scripture to prove our claim. What we have to do is look at context and see what scripture actually says about life, about us, about God, how God's revealed to us, about salvation, and all of that. And so these proof... Hey. Yes. Can I just gush a little bit about how awesome it was to talk with Brian Russell last time? Yes, yes. He seemed to have uh, a great time. 
Oh, I hope so. It just reminded me of the what he said. You can bring any question to the scripture, but you better be prepared for it to give you the answer it wants to give you. Boom. Yes, absolutely. Oh. I'm just here for the booms. You I'm sorry. I just took us off topic because my mind is still blown away by uh, Dr. Russell's work with us the other week. Yes, it was awesome, and it was uh, it was it was a blessing for me. I know, and and all of us here too. So, um, all right, let's look at some of these uh, uh, scripture proofs for what is God, and uh, I'll just turn it over to Jim and Alan, and uh, we'll start from the beginning. I take it all away, right. Reverend Casey. All right, I'll go. John four, uh, verse twenty four. Uh, again, uh, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Yes. And that passage comes out of the woman at the well story in John chapter four. Yeah. The next is listed as Job 11, seven through nine, uh, not job 11, but Job. <laughs> uh, it reads like this. <laughs> Can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the almighty? They are higher than the heavens above. What can you do? They are deeper than the depths below. What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. You know what's interesting about that scripture proof to me is that that first piece, can you fathom the mysteries of God? And yet the question calls us to do that. <laughs> I think it, bring, it brings some humility to the game. Very much Absolutely. So. Very much so. Absolutely. Psalm 90, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. All right, James 1, verses 16 through 17. Um, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Hmm. Shifting shadows is also the name of my band. <laughs> uh, let me, <laughs> Exodus 3, Exodus 3. They had uh, one hit it. in 99. You they have did. a band? Oh, I've got a little bit of everything. Uh, <laughs> Exodus, can we edit, Brett, please? Um, all right, so Exodus 3, this of course comes when Moses encounters God in the burning at the burning bush. Um, and I'll just read verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Yes. And that is where, and we'll probably speak more to this in a moment, but that is where the name Yahweh comes from because that's the translation. Now that's the Hebrew for I am who I am, that's or exactly. I am that I am. And it becomes the name of God for, right. for the Jews. Um, and it, very interesting piece there. Uh, Psalm 40, uh, 147, Psalm 147 verse five says, great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. All right, and uh, Revelation 4.8, that's Revelation, not Revelations. Yes, that's just uh, one. See, we're just dropping knowledge. <laughs> I'm sorry, just trying to help everybody. Yes, that's right. Um, <laughs> Revelation 4.8, um, each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Yeah, Damn. buddy. Boom. That yeah, That's buddy, power. was that was Alan. That was not in the scripture. Yeah, that was not in. That, that was, was not the, part of the scripture, but... The uh, new Alan revised It was the AC. It was the AC version. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. All right, another another from Revelation. Um, 
and it'll be chapter 15, verse four. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. And then Exodus 34, 6 and 7 says, And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord is compassionate. The great, and let, me re- let me rephrase that. Sometimes I have to do this when I'm reading scripture. That's me backing up. All right, here we go. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Now, as you can see, that was a lot of scripture proofs, probably six or seven of them there. And there's tons more throughout scripture. The catechism just puts these particular ones out to to highlight some uh, points or some highlight some attributes of God. And I think that's what's important when we talk about this idea of what is God is to think about um, how God is presented in scripture to us. Um, And so uh, that's what we're going to look at as we break down this question. We're going to look at some of these attributes. We're going to look at how how God is presented, his nature is presented to us in scripture so we can talk about what is God. Now, before we do that, let me just say, historically, there's been two ways of doing this. One is looking at the positive attributes of God, or the not just the, looking at the attributes of God and speaking to them p- positively. What I mean is like, what are the attributes that God has? The right. other way to des- describe God would be talking about the attributes that God does not have. This would be called the via negativa. So it's God is not this, or God is not that. So that's also a historical way to talk about God. But through this, through this catechism, the way the answer is given to us, it gives it to us almost in a positive, positive way, and it describes him as being a, a spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. So let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, when you think about God, Jim and Alan, when you think about God, what, what about him from Scripture? What attribute of him really just kind of pops out to you? Um, and, and maybe even from this answer, what really pops out to you? And maybe what else from this answer, you, you sit there and go, you know, I, I don't, that doesn't, I don't think about that as much as I should. Um, I think, so two things in terms of the descriptions that we were given in the answer is infinite, sticks out to me. Um, I just, you know, I did a little uh, definition is one definition impossible to measure or calculate. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I don't think that means we can't, that God is not, um, we can't know God. Um, And I think this may be a a trail we want to go down, but, um, but it's just that. And, and, and the question I guess I have is that means that that we talk about God's size and God's, um, um, measuring the 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 size that god takes up you know what i mean right, like it's, right. um but impossible to measure or calculate think about you talking about how big god is yeah. um i don't know that just stands out to me again it's like um a reminder to everybody we don't necessarily we don't have all the answers but it's fascinating to me to think about the infinite right Ness. Is that a word? Yeah, no. <laughs> the infinity of God. Yeah, it is uh, now. It is now. Thank you. <laughs> it is now. Um, yeah. All right. So I was all over the place on that one. And then holiness. 
and then holiness. Yeah. Um, scripture that I read, the holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Right. Um, the the holiness of God. I kind of get chills when I read that. Right. I read. I that. did. I did too. Every um, time I read one of those uh, holy, holy, holy choruses in scripture and song, mm-hmm. it's it's one of the most moving mm-hmm. worship things for me. And I don't know why that is, but it resonates with my spirit, Alan. What do you think? Yeah. What do you think about uh, God's holiness? Is it gets us jazzed up so much because we're not i mean like it's so it's so um opposite where we are that yet it's what we're striving to be right or, or called to be and so um to think that god is the perfection of holy um whether that means we're talking about being set apart and in different or just in um sinlessness that just a perfect being mm-hmm. um it's so opposite of of our of ourselves our our world our where we are certainly right now um it's just so different so uh, and that's so I, you know it's something that i want um uh, and it's so it, in, yeah. intriguing is it and the way that we know god through scripture and even through uh, our christian lives is that it's not something that we're not in such a way that we we, God wants to offer it to us and restore us to that perfection that he created within us and then draw us even closer. I, I mean, I think that's the thing. It's like, look what is possible hmm. and not ha, forget it. Look what you'll never be. Uh, now, of course, we'll never be God, but that holiness, like to be in awe of that is is just something that strikes me. Well, and being created in the image of God is a piece That's of right. this too. Um, when we think about holy too, the word the word holy just means to be separated. It's it, to be different. And so if you think about it, when those angels cry out to God, they're saying separate, separate, separate is the Lord God Almighty. What they're really getting at is there are there is none other. There are no other gods both but him. This he is it. Um, there may be other gods in our lives, but they don't. Uh, they 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 are they are they pale in comparison. They are idols. They are made of stone. They they will rust and decay. They will fall apart. But only God Almighty, uh, Elohim, Yahweh, Jesus. Only only God Almighty. Bless you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, only God Almighty is separate. He he is eternal. He's the only deity that is eternal and there's something to that and so then he puts it on us right alan you 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 spoke to this we're called to be holy a holy priesthood a holy nation to 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 take up this mantle of holiness to be separated ourselves to not be like the world and unfortunately i think so many of us spend our lives trying to be like everybody else instead of trying to be like god himself yeah, and uh, the other part of that too. So uh, we have to remember that a lot of these words are absolutely loaded with meaning. Yes. Um, and, and each one of these words is, and we need to remember that. I think that uh, when we think about when God speaks to Job, can you fathom the mysteries of God? We need to remember that uh, there's a lot, like there's this sense of deep uh, awe yeah. that comes with holiness. There's a sense of distinction. There's a sense of reverence. There's a sense of complete perfection. Um, and that's just awesome. That's all I got. Hey, hey, hey that's my, that's my, uh, high, high intellectual, so, um, 
thing today. So, so uh, one person who's been very helpful for me in this, and this is a resource that is amazing to all our podocumens that are out there, is a, re- is a resource by a guy named Phil Talon. You can find this on seedbed.com called The Absolute Basics of the Christian Faith. The videos are awesome. They're awesome. They're amazing. The study is good for kids and for adults as well. There's another title that's about to come out about Wesleyan theology and what it means to be a Wesleyan called uh, The Absolute Basics of uh, Being Wesleyan or something like that. Anyway, I should have gotten that title. I'll put it in the show notes. (laughs) Put it in the show uh, notes. But but, uh, Phil Talon did this book called The um, Absolute Basics of the Christian Faith. And there's a chapter in here that deals with the question of what is God like? What is God like? Which is very much the same type of question that we're dealing with here. And this is how he says, he says that um, God can do anything. God knows everything. And God will always do what is right. And he puts it like this. He, he says, um, take, for example, that we, there are three superheroes. A power person, genius guy, and moral man. He says that power person can do anything, but he's not very smart. And so whenever he tries to help, he often does the wrong thing. Uh, Then you've got genius guy who knows everything, but he's not fully good. So sometimes he helps, but sometimes he uses his brilliance for his own selfish ends. And then you've got moral man who knows exactly what the right thing to do um, is, and he often desires to do it, but he's not all powerful and he's not all knowing. So even though he wants to help everybody, he can't. He's just a guy. But God within himself, he represents all three of these superheroes in one. He is the power person. He is all powerful to be able to do anything, to be able to do what is right. He is genius guy. He's all knowing and he's moral man. He's all good. And so within God, uh, the, the, as as Phil, Phil Talon says, he says, quote, the good news is that God is power person, genius guy, and moral man, all rolled into one. He has all the power, all the knowledge, and he's perfectly good. And that helps me understand uh, these attributes of God in a, in a, in a very um, powerful and accessible way. And that's just because he's talking about superheroes. Well, that's true. Yeah, too. <laughs> you got to use a superhero metaphor now, when you're talking. I really to the think you should. I, I think he, I think you should have talked to Marvel about some better names than those. But I mean, you know, <laughs> I, we get the point. Yes, uh, I know. You know what I think? I think Phil Talon's one of us. He's very I, much. May so, we need to get him on the podcast. I'm going to give him a call. Yes, we should. we should. We He also draws really well. Yeah. Well, that's the other guy. That's the other guy. Oh man! But still. So check check this out. So if you'll notice that. This Thanks for uh, keeping us on track. The Westminster Shorter Catechism talks of, doesn't talk about God yet in relation of what he does. They're trying to speak of God in his nature, yes. which is really interesting because a lot of times when we think of God, we think of what God can do usually for us or to us. And it's it's nice to just meditate on and to know a little bit about who God is. And, we'll, and later on, you know, one of the big parts of our our whole pot of keys journey is what we believe in, why it matters. Right. So that's going to play in in a little bit, but you know what I think is interesting. This question strikes me uh, as an interesting one. And I don't know if anybody who's heard it for the first time has, and I just love to name the weird tensions. So the question says, what is God? Right. And 
it makes it feel a little bit like we're talking about God as object. Well, most of us, I think, would say, who is God, right? I mean, the, yes, yes we, absolutely. We might phrase the question, who is God? Right. Yeah. Here, the catechism says, what is God, which makes it really weird, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> a little bit. But in a way that uh, I think we, we need to be willing to wrestle with, the scripture sure. will uh, immediately write in Genesis, God speaks, God creates, God then with Adam and Eve relates. So God, this God who is these things is uh, personal. But later on, we're, I think we talk more about that as we talk about the Trinity, because one of the yeah. things, now I know that that's foreshadowing for later, but one of the mistakes that we make in our regular day-to-day conversation about God is usually we say God, we mean God the Father, and then we right. talk about Jesus and the Spirit. Yeah. And so this is God, the whole Godhead, God as in God's own self. Yes, right. And so it's just a big question. Um, but I wanted to name that tension out. Uh, this isn't in no way speaking of God as an object, but as we talk about God, we need to re- recognize that God is not us. Right. God is not a creation. God is spirit. Right. That's what Jesus says in the gospel of John. And granted, do we understand what all of that means? Not really, but you got to start somewhere. That's and right. The scriptures give us the best start. And this is where friends, this is where grace comes in. Because the idea here, so so Alan, you brought up this idea about infinite. Uh, how do you measure God? And I, when I think of infinite, this attribute of God being infinite, I don't think of it in a kind of a measurement sense as much as let's take a box. God being infinite can't be put in a box. A finite being can be described. It can be boxed up. It can be fully you know measured and and whatever. But but God cannot be by his very nature be put in a box we can't put god in a you box. can't put god Brent, in a box Brent, are you, you sure because i mean i thought i thought he i mean um a republican box a democrat <laughs> box uh um uh, a left wing, wing box, box yeah. a right wing yeah, box right, um, right, right. calvinist there's all kinds a of calvinist box we, and a wesleyan box man in, alan right? you meddling but you got a point yeah but, i mean we're here i mean like that's right yeah no that's absolutely a thing and and right. to say god is infinite really it's it's a challenge for us to say okay if god is boundless without limits it doesn't just mean the limits of a ruler right it also means the limits of what my conception right. of god right. is or a so, country so this is where grace yeah. comes this is the beautiful yeah. thing about grace and so the idea if god is infinite he and, and and we're not by that very by that very definition god is not knowable by us because of our finite mind. God is just not knowable. And then you put in the, 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 the block between us and God because of sin and all the original, we'll deal with original sin and all that stuff later. But an infinite God cannot really be fully known by a finite people. And yet we, we know through Jesus Christ, who God is through the um, um, uh, Jim, I think you mentioned this. It's out of Colossians, and also there's uh, talks about the fullness of God in Christ, and and, mm-hmm. and so this is what grace is. Grace is God coming coming into the box. Yeah. Grace is God breaking through, coming into the box, and revealing Himself to us. And so by the very fact that God, as the primary mover, the first mover, comes in and says, "Hey." I am the creator. Here I am. Here I am. 
uh, that is God's grace to us. So yes, God is infinite. He is without boundary. There's all this wonderful, this wonderful descriptions of him. Yet, if you look at these scripture proofs we've, we've laid out for you, you'll also notice that, yes, we can't fathom God's greatness, and yet, yet we're called to worship him in spirit and truth. How do you worship yeah. someone you can't fathom? Well, it's because God's grace breaks through. He, he reveals himself so we can worship him. And, and you know, that the name of God, I am that I am. He, he comes and he gives a name to his people. He gives a name of himself. To, he, he reveals himself in a very specific, particular way to these people. Uh, the coming of Jesus, the yeah. power of the Holy Spirit, this is God's grace given to us. And it's, it, yeah, it's God in God's goodness wants to be, wants us to know him. Yes. It's a, it's, it's, it's a precious thing. Hey, can I give a little tip out to some of our, our listeners? Uh, I know that we've got all variety of listeners, you know, there are people from all over the seven continents. I think we've got some people in the international space station yes. that listen. So thank to you. To our podic humans who are listening on the ISS, yeah, we yeah. especially want to just lift, you know, just say thank but you. With some you of our podic humans. Part of our, some of our uh, podocumens might be uh, really serious theology students and, and maybe um, we'll, we'll take theological exams. So I'm just going to give a little aside uh, to some folks. It is absolutely true that God is really mysterious and that God is unknowable and we can't fathom God. Um, and that should bring us a sense of humility and a lifetime of searching. But at the same time, when when those of uh, anybody who might want to take up the mantle of being charged with proclaiming the gospel and the good news of God, you can't just stop and say, well, God is a mystery. So I guess that's it. Um, it, it I'm speaking for those, you know, who have theology exams, those who do uh, border board and ministry stuff. Please express that kind of humility. Don't think that you're the only one who knows anything about God. But listen, you got to do some work. That's right. We got we we don't know everything, but we do know what God has revealed, uh, and we've got to be able to help communicate that to people. Right. And one of the things here's a little soapbox. Can I get on a soapbox for five seconds? You can edit this out. Sounds like you already are. I so am. continue. <laughs> yes, so, please. So uh, sometimes when we talk about God as a mystery, it's because we don't want somebody to uh, stop us from making God in our own image. Um, I think that sometimes when we talk about the character of God and say, well, we can't know everything about God, it's because we may have some kind of maybe unconscious preconceived desire about what we want God to bless and not bless. Um, and so we are then unwilling or uh, don't desire to name some truths about God at that point. So yeah, I know that might sound a little hard or harsh, or maybe it doesn't even make sense, but I think we've got to do a little bit of work, um, have the humility uh, but let's lean on what God's revealed through scripture and tradition mm. to at least begin the conversation. Because what good is it if the people of God into an unbelieving world will say, I don't know, man, God's just a mystery and we'll mm. never know. So while we are doing what we're doing with this podcast. Yeah, is, amen. Absolutely. Is, I mean, we're walking through this catechism, which helps us understand who God is. Right. And, and helps God us is. too. Let's be, yeah, let's be absolutely. honest. Right. Absolutely. 2,000 years of Christian uh, tradition says that God is noble because of Jesus Christ. That's the whole, the incarnation itself. Mm. And so just to kind of be lazy and say, well, he's just not knowable. You, you just, just, you know, believe what you want to believe about God is within itself a her heretical statement because it's not, oh. it's because it's not true of God. 
Brett just dropped the H word. <laughs> Potecumens against now, heresy. Now, of course, now, please take all that with love and grace. Of course. Uh, uh, right. Humility, of course. But there's a fine line between the humility and the uh, the lack of effort on that. But we're all still searching. Yes. And um, I, you asked earlier, Brett, which of these attributes speak to you? And it yeah. struck me in that moment that over the course of my short Christian life, um, it's been different in seasons. And I think that's a beautiful thing that um, God will bring to my attention what God wants me to have or know or focus on in different times. That Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I, I 100% agree. Um, I know for me, the idea of God being unchangeable is a powerful, powerful piece that brings, honestly, at one time probably brought um, uh, a sense of uh, lots of questions on more on a philosophical level, but now it's like a lot of comfort <laughs> that God is yeah. unchangeable. Um, and uh, yeah, so unchangeable. Well, we never. live we live in a changeable, changing world yeah. all the time, right? Constantly. Absolutely. Yeah. Now you know, as we record this, all the time, every day, and so to know that God is unchangeable, mm, yeah. Ooh, makes you just want to breathe easier. Yeah, amen. Just, That's right. We've talked a lot. We've talked over a handful of episodes about the post-truth era, and I think to put another term on it, uh, a post-foundations era. Yes, right. That's uh, right. And I keep and, and I find myself during. Um, and let's be honest, it's probably always been crazy, but you know we're just at the time where we can really see and understand, and information sure. moves fast. But I find myself thinking, thank God for Christ, the solid rock in which I can stand, and the and the thing that gets keeps me moving is knowing that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there is still something that is uh, unchanging. Yeah. It's pretty powerful stuff. Oh, were there any attributes that were not mentioned that are like have stood out to either one of you? Uh, I think um, ones that I wrote down, just it's not explicitly stated, but uh, loving, yeah. gracious, kind. And um, I don't know, I guess it's because... It's kind of what I focus on in terms of um, who God is. Um, I mean, part of our one of our scripture priests talked about his um, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious. Yes. God slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. So it's there, and maybe it, you know. I think those things are in you know his attributes of holiness and goodness and truth. Um, but um, I think maybe if this was written. Um, and today the language would be just a little slightly different. I don't know, but it's just those words are not specifically there. So that just kind of stuck out. Yeah. First John says God is love and we love because he first loved us. Right. Sure. And yes. uh, be super clear as uh, uh, folks that love is one of those words that we can define however we choose to. We need to let yes. the scripture define what that word right. is. Right. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. I love chocolate. That's not necessarily the way that God loves me because otherwise he gobble me up. Yeah. God loves based on his infinite, eternal, unchangeable self, right. um, full of wisdom and power. And hey, quick question, quick question, uh, because this might come up in some uh, listeners. So we're talking about uh, what is God? Is God gendered? Is God male or female? Ooh, that is a great, great question. And, you know, of course. And let me tell you why I'm asking yes. is because the um, we're using an older text the Westminster Shorter Catechism is an older text, and it's been in um, convention to refer to God with he and him language. Um, and 
wanted to make because we've used it a little bit here too oh, yeah and uh we want to make sure that people know that that god is not male god transcends gender and includes all things within himself um but that this is a conventional term that we're using and right. that is written in this older document um and so just wanted to throw that out there Did any, any comments on that one guys um, yeah, but I also would like to say thank you, Jim, for throwing that out there and for the theolo- for the questions we're going to get on this, comments on this. We appreciate it. So anyway. Uh, <laughs> I think it's better than the comments of not addressing that we understand that God isn't male while we keep saying God is he. Yes. As yes. we're reading right. from the and that And everything that Jim is saying is true. Yes. God is not. God is not. That's gender. all I wanted to yeah, hear. Thank everything you. He I'm out. <laughs> now but, Jim's out. He's gone. <laughs> but um, I do think that there are... Um, there are dangers we run into when we start changing uh, certain um, aspects of how we describe God. For example, um, the classic Trinitarian, and I know we're not talking about Trinity yet, but the classic Trinitarian formula about God of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I think there is something to that. And as God is presented in Scripture as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that is important, that even though God and the Godhead is not gendered, that the way that God is revealed to us and the way that God is talked about within the scriptures are an important piece to keep. And I understand that, uh, that there are some nuances to this and some, uh, some things we have to do some hard work on. But then to turn around, though, because of um, uh, trying to be super inclusive, um, to change some of those formulas uh, because they don't uh, because we want to be inclusive, like um, what did I see in some of my theological readings I was doing for the board? Um, God, the Father, would be the uh, the Creator, Creator, Sustainer, Redeemer. Thank you, Creator, Sustainer, yeah. Redeemer, which is based upon the attributes of God, describing God within about um, describing the nature of God without um, uh, uh, while throwing out the way that God is described in the scriptures themselves. Yeah. And, and, and just to be clear on the, the language on the Trinity, one of the issues with your exact example is that it uh, talks about less about who the persons of the Trinity are, but then instead how they function in relation right. to us. Right. And so they're, they're beings, not just actions. Right. So at any rate, I, I, I wanted to bring that up just because I wanted people to be clear and understand that, Hey, look, we're using an older text that the convention of masculine yeah. language is there and we completely understand um, the nuances of uh, gendered language yes. and that it really is an important uh, conversation to do some in-depth work on Yes, and just wanted your listeners to be there with us and understand where we're coming yeah. from. And if that question came up in your mind, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so very good. Absolutely. Good job. Thank you, Jim. So, um, all right, so let's move on to um, all this talk about God. What is God? Uh, we, we believe that it matters to have a good, um, right understanding, an orthodox understanding of who God is or what God is. Um, we can't just be have this kind of pantheistic or all is God type view of God. We've got to understand that God reveals himself in very specific ways through attributes, um, through his names, through his son, Jesus Christ, through scriptures. God, review, uh, God reveals himself very specifically. So we believe that it matters how we think about God. And that's why we need to do the work here. Um, I'm interested to know from you guys, um, Alan, you may actually have kind of a 
different answer to this than what maybe Jim and I bring to the table. Because uh, if, if the listeners don't remember, when Jim and I were giving our kind of testimonies or where we come from, we, we weren't raised in the church. Um, and so uh, we came at this later and a little bit later in life than what Alan did. Alan's dad is a pastor. Alan's a, a preacher's kid. He was raised in the church, went through confirmation, was all, all, all that stuff from the, I mean, he was, cra- he's cradle to grave, pat- like in the church. Um, well, cradle, not, not grave, grave yet, yet so. but well, yeah. So um, we'll see what happens with COVID. <laughs> That's Don't true. take away my friends. <laughs> That's right. But, uh, <laughs> but um, so I'm interested to know what, is there an attribute of God that you've had or a, an idea of God in your head that you've had in the past? That. Yeah, check this out. I want to tell you about this story real quick. So my parents got married when I was five years old. It just don't, we'll tell you the story later. So we were at a Presbyterian church in California and I'd never been in a church before that I can remember. And so I'm walking my mom down the aisle and the preacher's there. He's wearing one of those, uh, was it Charles Schuler wore the gray robes? Did any of you have a gray robe? Anyway, he was up there in that. And I was like, oh, that must be God. And until I was like 12, Whenever somebody said guy, like I pictured that guy with his black hair and his glasses, that was God in my mind. That so so there yeah yeah for for me <laughs> for that so for me um, God took two forms um, and they were all uh, one was uh, and this is a very kind of dated um, uh, reference that I don't know if Alan or Jim will get at all. But um, well, you're like a year older than us. What are you talking about here? I'm 40, but you know, so I'm. Gosh, you are much older. <laughs> so um, uh, there was a movie back in the 80s. I think it was the 80s that starred George. 18, 1880s. Uh, that starred. Shut up. That starred. <laughs> that starred George Burns, the old comedian George Burns, called Oh God, where George Burns, this old school uh, guy, was God. He played Dude, God. You're old. Yes. I mean, very like I watched it when I, I I watched this movie when I wasn't supposed to watch this movie. Like, you know, we had very lax rules in my house growing up. (laughs) And so I was watching stuff I shouldn't have been watching when I was way, way young. So for a long time, God was George Burns to me. Um, oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. Nice. And then um, I started in the late '80s, early '90s, watching my very favorite television show of all time, The Simpsons. And the way that God is uh, is drawn and depicted in The Simpsons is this uh, faceless being. You don't see his head; you just see his body. All the other characters have four fingers. God always had five fingers, like these kind of nuances that they they added to him. But he had this long flowing white robe and the beard that hung down to kind of like the middle of his chest and all this stuff. Uh, so, so some at some point, my image of God changed from being George Burns to being this cartoon character from The Simpsons. And so, growing up, not being in the church, I just thought that God was a old, sometimes very angry man sitting on a rocking chair on the porch of heaven yelling at me. So that was my concept of God growing up. You know, and that's probably why it's so important for uh, the Christian church to, for all of us to, to really share the, who God is and the great news of God, because there are so many incomplete and skewed um, and even dangerous understandings of God that people will be taught even unintentionally. Yeah, that's right. So Alan and, and and then we put ourselves I'm sorry we put ourselves yeah. up against a wall a generation later when we haven't taught and the culture's taught and we actually have to unteach right. and then teach just to reach people for Christ. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I 100% agree with that. And I, I it, it took a lot of kind of that unraveling uh, as I, I, I came to faith. And then uh, when I was 16, and then going through, uh, you know, the Wesley Foundation in college and youth group in high school and seminary and all that just really was an unraveling of my preconceived notions of what I thought God was. And then a kind of rebuilding up of what how God revealed himself. Now, Alan, you grew up in the church. I'm interested, are there what what concepts of God uh, did you have that are gone now um, or have been corrected as one who had grown up know. in the church? I, I, guess, I mean, I've always felt like I've had a pretty healthy view of God. Um, I think I went through confirmation twice. <laughs> Just <with laughs> the first this. one didn't take. <laughs> well, right. I know. Like, um, I think I went through it like my last year, one of my dad's churches. And then I went through it again when he moved, you know, just one of those things were just, yeah. it was, the, I think the second time was more about getting to know other kids in the, in the, you know, uh, in the church and stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, um, anyways, um, obviously came to faith on my own as well, but, I don't know. I guess, um, you know, the movie 10 commandments with Charlton Heston. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like Moses. I think, I think I've always viewed God that way. Like, um, big bearded, uh, um, uh, figure, um, always viewed him. I always viewed God like as a, a big human being, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, right, <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and so when we say that God is a spirit is, um, even though I'm very comfortable with the Holy spirit and, um, thinking of God as spirit is, uh, um, it's interesting to to say the least. Um, but, um, you know, and of course over the years and maturing in the faith, different attributes, um, have be, I don't stuck out, become more dear, um, to me, um, gained a better, a, a deeper understanding, um, of who God is. But, yeah, good old Charleston Heston Moses. Um. Well, you know what's interesting <laughs> yeah. hearing these discussions, these descriptors, and kind of how we were formed in this, and how culture influences our thoughts about God. It, it becomes apparent to us why that uh, commandment to not make any graven images becomes so very important for us. And I was thinking about this past week, we lost a titan in the theological world the re, uh, from the reformed tradition a guy named j.i packer passed away he's a yeah. uh i'm a big hero of mine um his book his just kind of magnum opus uh knowing god uh just really has always been on my bookshelf i, I read through it a couple times a year um and he's more from the reformed tradition but he has a chapter in knowing god that talks about the image of god and how he how he tells churches to get rid of all the paintings of, of Jesus that they have. Um, he's not big on icons and iconography and and on stained glass and all that kind of stuff. <sighs> and the reason behind it, his thinking behind it, is uh, he takes really a kind of a old school Puritan view of this in a way. Um, his thinking on it is that you take you're 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 in danger. Of breaking that, what is the second or third commandment of making no graven image? How many of those images that we see in our church buildings become lodged in our minds when we're in our time of prayer, when we're in our time of worship, when we're in those? Thanks, Hobby Lobby. (laughs) Every church has the same picture now. Of yes, exactly. But and and so I'm not I'm not one. I actually don't necessarily agree full wholeheartedly 
with how far he goes. But I do agree with him on this. Uh, the concepts of God that the culture throws out at us can get so lodged within us that that is what becomes God for us in our minds. And there is some danger to that, uh, some idolatrous danger to that. Hey, you know what one of the dangerous parts of making, say, uh, God and thinking of God as a Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel or the Simpsons God or whatever, is you can walk away from one of those. Yes, right. Absolutely. You can hide from one of those. Right. That's, um, that's only one of the issues, but yeah, that's interesting thought. Um, did y'all ever have any good, uh, fun uh, movies or, or music or TV shows about God that really spoke out to y'all or that, you've, that you liked? Yeah, I mean, I like Bruce Almighty. Yes. <laughs> um, didn't he? Yeah. Didn't he part the tomato soup? Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. So, so here's so in many respects, it's very irreverent. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, Jim Jim Carrey's you know not a model that I want to necessarily follow in life, although times he's funny. Yeah. But I think what's great about it is, it shows exactly why we're not God yeah. <laughs> and like what would happen if we, we were God, right. um, we would screw things up because we're not God. Right. Um, and so I think it's a great example um, to demonstrate, you know, um, and, and they don't get everything right. I'm not, don't, don't, you know, we're all friends here, Alan. Yeah, we get where you're coming right. from. Don't don't use. We can talk about movies movie. without. Hey, right. hey, guys. Do we have to give a disclaimer every time we talk about a movie? Well, maybe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is not a pastoral recommendation, right? But... This is not a pastoral, right? But I just think it's great. I mean, like, I mean, he does some of the things that I would want to do. I try to make mo- I try to make more money. I tried yeah. my. Sp- I would. I would finally get Georgia to win a championship. Every <laughs> oh. <laughs> first time on the Atlanta Falcons, New England, all, the, the, yeah. all Atlanta, Georgia sports, <laughs> yeah. uh, major sports would get a championship. Uh, you know, all these crazy things. And uh, that's, that's, there's a reason why we are not God, that's but right. yet we are to strive to be like God. That's right. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah the, uh, I keep thinking about when I, when I was in high school that I think is it Joan Osborne? What if God was one of us? Ranger <laughs> on a bus. Yes. Bring it, Alan. Come on, Come on. Alan. All right. Breaking it oh. out, Alan. Yes. Okay. If we do any more, we got to play. We got to pay, pay royalties on that. So. Yes, that's a good oh, point. Oh, good yeah. point. Yes. Saved by the royalties. Ooh, there we go. <laughs> yes. Woo. Um, uh, yeah, you know what's interesting? People are probably laughing right now. We're going, man, I haven't heard that song in 20 years. But And uh, now it's stuck in your head. It's stuck in your head. It's an earworm but for sure. But at the time, that song was a massive, massive cultural hit um, in, in the United States, at least, and probably around the world. And um, I think some of the questions that that song raised uh, really got into people's heads. Um, what's interesting about that song Um uh, is that the scriptures present Jesus as stepping into our flesh. Now, what the song gets wrong and questions and all that kind of stuff, the scriptures present as being, uh, in, in, in the scriptures present in a real way, the, the, the role of Christ in the incarnation, stepping out of heaven and, and, and coming to set us free. So there's some real powerful um, connections that can be made that can be made there. Uh, one of my favorite movies growing up, I watched it the other day on Netflix, uh, and it, it's just what is from the 80s as well, was a movie called Clash of the Titans. Um, and uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, very kind of, I think it was made in 80, 1980. 
had some stop motion stuff in it. There was a re- this is an iPad game. No, <laughs> there there was a remake though that happened in the like early uh, like uh, early. 2010s. Have you watched a movie in the last five years, Brett? I mean, just for know. <laughs> yeah, no, like all these from the 80s. I mean, like, you are dating yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm. <laughs> I, yeah, let's just move on from that. So yeah. <laughs> sounds good. Sounds good. But um, you're gonna need you're gonna need to, you're gonna need to go eat dinner and go to bed soon. So let's hurry up. <laughs> Oh, it's almost four o'clock. I got to get to the restaurant anyway. So, um, the um, so uh, in Clash of the Titans, the uh, guy Zeus, the guy who played Zeus, uh, was kind of that image as well. That that that, and so this idea of a revengeful God spoke. I mean, really pointed out to me. And I remember uh, growing up. Um, there's never been a time in my life that I never I didn't believe in God. Now there was a time in my life that the idea of God was messed up in my, my mind's eye. My, the way I felt thought of God growing up was that God was angry with me. So the stuff that I was mm-hmm. going through, the divorces, my mom went through the, the abuse I went through, the, the drugs, the alcohol that was around me, the, all of this stuff uh, um, that um, when I, when people said, you know, God, God loves you. I questioned that because my life didn't reflect love. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so what I saw was Zeus as God sitting on a throne plotting revenge. And somehow I, I, I brought it back to myself to, okay, if he's plotting revenge against Perseus and this and that or whatever, he must be plotting revenge against me too because bad things are happening to them. And bad things are happening to me. What have I done to screw up? What did mm. I do against God? So these were kind of the 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 thinking, and and so I would I would create these um, I would do these uh, little rituals at time to try to appease God of um, mainly God if you if you'll do this I'll never do this again this bargaining uh, these bargaining mm. chips I remember one time taking a Gideon's pocket Bible that had the New Testament and Psalms in it. Some of y'all might know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about those Gideon mm-hmm. pocket bottles and putting it under my pillow as a way of protecting me, almost like a talisman, because I thought, okay, this might, this might appease God. So my idea and concepts of God uh, were very skewed in, in, in growing up because of, the, because of my circumstances, and I didn't have a good foundation to help pull me through those circumstances. It wasn't until my salvation, until I started reading scripture, actually, uh, being taught scripture, being taught that what it meant that God loved me, being taught about the sacrifice of Jesus, the power of the resurrection, the Holy Spirit, being taught about the Trinity, the love of God poured out, being taught these things that I started seeing the truth of God and that, hey, bad things happen to everybody. God does love me. Um, where is God when it hurts? He's on the cross and he's walking out of the grave. I mean, this is, mm. these are powerful, powerful images that really redeemed my thinking about God and ultimately would redeem my thinking about myself. Amen. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's, so it's really interesting to think what, what we know and what we believe about God really plays itself out. I mean, you think about how instinctual it was in, and of course, this is your experience, not mine. I'm just listening to your story, how instinctual it was. Yeah to have divine practice in your yeah, life. Yeah, right. 100%. Yes. I, yes. 100%. And, and, 
people have that. And what, what we believe about God plays itself out in our lives, whether we're conscious of that or not. Right. Sure. Absolutely. It shapes our worldview. I mean, it shapes how we see things, shapes how, how we see the things that happen to us, like Brett was talking about, um, good or bad. Right. And, uh, and then it directs, directs our whole life again, whether we're conscious of it or not. Right. Absolutely. So it is incredibly important to have a correct understanding of what God is. And, and, and we can have that because it's been revealed to us in the scriptures. That's the beautiful thing about this is, um, Jim, you said earlier, we have to put the work in, but part of that, if not all of it means open your Bibles, please. Please. If you haven't heard us say anything else, <laughs> not just the show notes, not just the show notes, <laughs> but the Bible, Bible, the whole Bible. Yeah. Right. Um, Read your Bible. Th- this, this, this collection of documents that has stood the test of time for 2000 years um, and even longer with the and Old more. Testament and more um, is, is God's revelatory message to us. And that's important. We can't just say, sit there on our own whim and say, you know, well, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to think about these things. We've got to have, uh, uh, we've got to have some entry point. We've got to have something guiding us. And that's what the scriptures do through the power of the Holy Spirit in a, in a magnificent, powerful, life-changing way. Open your Bibles, folks, open them. And the good, the good news there is that there is revelation there for us we don't have to figure it out all by ourselves that's right that's right um you know what happens if we if we don't and this happens in christian circles as well in fact i will i'll be i'll be harder on christians than i am on anybody else any day of the week um is if we're not careful and we're not shaping our mind in the mind of christ then we will begin to associate things that we feel good about with god and mm. things that we don't feel good about as right. not God. Wow. And that's idolatry. Wow, and that's, that Alan, do you have an example of that? I bet you do. Um, I was going back to the, some of those boxes we were talking about earlier. <laughs> absolutely. So, for example, um, God is, God loves you know me because I have money, wealth, and prosperity. We understand that about God. Then, therefore, my life is directed in a certain way. Um, we think about the things that we like politically and governmentally. We think about that in terms of what we like in other people. And then we start to deify those things. So the whole point is, if God will be, we will think about God. We will worship. We will move in this world with an image of the divine. And the question is, is is it the God of scripture and Christian faith? Or will we settle for another? We don't carve our God so much out of wood anymore, even though I'd invite you to go look at the Merrill Lynch bull on wall street. If you want to. Yeah. Um, that's true. But we do carve them in our own images. That's right. We always, mm. in fact, revelation, revelation, Romans one 18 and on talks about how God gave us, oh, gave them over to their depravity. He allowed them to create, uh, to make, uh, uh, create, uh, make things in their own image, creations in their own mm. and worship them as the, infinite creator. Um, he allowed this to happen because this is the, this was the bent of humanity. This is what was happening after the fall, you know, out of that whole piece there in, in Romans 1, 18 and on, there's this one line in there that gets me every time, uh, Paul talks about 
all this depravity, kind of this symptom of sin itself, symptoms of sin itself, just kind of, and it's a non-exhaustive list. And he gets to the end of it and he says, uh, um, they invented ways of doing evil, which is Paul's way of saying, and everything else I've left out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the things I couldn't see. Yeah. Uh, and so, and all of this stems from idolatry. And idolatry, all idolatry is, is wrong thinking about God. So mm. what is it? Remember, uh, Brian Russell last week says, I read scripture so I won't be a polytheist. Absolutely. That has stuck yeah, with me. We're, we're going to we're gonna quote Brian Russell like for the next 15 episodes. <laughs> yeah. um, now, John Tyson's out at City Church in New York. He also would say that um, whatever you sacrifice to and whatever you spend your time or and whoever captivates your heart, that is what you worship. Yeah, that's true. That would be. Yeah. So it, the whole point is it really does matter. Yes. What we think about God. And, 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 and again, let's be real clear. The three of us are not trying to say, hey, look, the way you view God is wrong and the way we view God is right. Right. And so that can be how these discussions can come up and why people are afraid to talk about uh, right belief and understanding of God is because they're afraid to be combative. Um, But we just have a witness of scripture and tradition, and this has been handed down. And so don't reinvent everything. Right. Um, There's a lot of grace in that. You can save your energy and rest. In mm, good word, uh, God. Yeah, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Well, we could go. We're preachers. We could preach all day, all, all day long. Absolutely. Well, um, friends, that I think that is really drawing us to a close on this uh, discussion about what is God. Um, God is loving. He's compassionate. He is Yahweh. He is the Creator. He is. He is. He is. Um, what, uh, the Redeemer, all these things, these beautiful, beautiful um, uh, uh, um, these uh, attributes that we see out of scriptures. So uh, for Alan and Jim and me, our, 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 our call to you out there, especially if you are a follower of Jesus, is open your Bibles. Get in the habit of reading them because you will see who God is. He's been revealed to us in that way. And so that's a, a, a beautiful, a beautiful thing. So uh, next week, or not next week, I'm sorry, the next episode in a couple of weeks, uh, we get to talk about idolatry itself with question number five. And that question is, are there more gods than one? Are there more gods than one? So this week, wow, what a loaded question! I know, right? So this week we talked about what is God. By the way, if you remember, all these are piggybacking on that first question, and that is what is the uh, what is the um, uh, chief end of man, and that is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Now we're kind of getting to. Though, why are we glorified? Who is this God? What is this God that we are to glorify and enjoy? Well, we talked about that. Next time we get together, we're going to talk about uh, are there more gods? Are there more than one gods that we can glorify and enjoy? <laughs> I'll go ahead and tell you. Uh, you the answer is no. Yeah, the answer is going to be no, but we're going to discuss more about <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to discuss more about. Hey, y'all. Go ahead. Jim. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh. Oh, I was just going to tell, give a little message to all of our wonderful potacumans out there. 
Uh, I'd love to hear from you about your thoughts on the question. Yeah. I'd love to hear just what you would add to the conversation. Hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. You can email us. Right. Um, it's more fun when we share this together. The conversations we've had with you have just, I don't know about you guys, but they make my day. Absolutely. Um, it's so much fun to be a part of this community with you. Um, don't be afraid to be called pot of humans. Um, cause if you're afraid of it, that just means that my tattoo doesn't mean anything. <laughs> oh, Jim, you're supposed to wait to at least episode 10 before you get a tattoo. What are you I doing? I knew I made a mistake. <laughs> All right, guys, it's been real. All right. Love y'all. All right. So, um, you can check us out at potachesis.com. Be sure to ch- find us all over social media at potachesis. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, you can find us wherever you're listening to your, at, uh, to your, uh, podcast. Uh, we're everywhere. We're on Apple, Google play, Stitcher, uh, uh, Spotify. Um, we're even on iHeartRadio and TuneIn and, and other places. But wherever you listen to your favorite, uh, whatever your app is that you love to listen to, um, uh, the podcast, you can find us. Just look up the Podakesis podcast. Um, if you are listening on Apple, we do ask that you give a five-star review. Put the five stars in there. Let us know uh, what you think of the podcast, and we would be so uh, grateful. If you've got questions or you you want to comment, you can do that on Facebook and Twitter, but you can also do that at questions at podakesis.com. That's questions at podakesis.com. Um, and be sure once again to check out our website for show notes and for uh, more information and resources that are available for these episodes um, at uh, podakesis.com. So friends, we are so excited that you've joined us for this discussion. Thank you for being with us, Jim and Alan. It's been good to see you and to hear from you uh, once again. And fellow potty humans, this is Brett Maddox saying God bless. We hope that you have a great day and we'll see you later.